Hey, Liam, I got a question for you. Well, I don't want to hear it, so shut up. It's my podcast. I make the rules. Listen up, buddy. Fair enough. Lay it on me. Let's say uh, you hear about a group of people. You don't know them. You never met them. You never even seen them. But you hear they're doing bad stuff. Uh-oh. To each other, not to anybody else. Oh, okay. Should they die? <sighs> Bye, Eric. I'm gonna see you later. That's the question. Welcome to Big Time Whoopsies. This is a bad one. Big Time Whoopsies, my name is Eric McAdams, and this is a podcast about incompetence. Each week I tell you, the listener, and a friend of mine a story from history involving massive incompetence, and today, the friend that joins me is Major Cast Network co-founder Liam. Oh, I can say your last name. I can say Liam Sr. Sorry, I'm so used to just saying people's first names. Nah, nah, nah. Say my full name. Say my social, for all I care. (laughs) We are we are naked and free on the internet. That's what naked and afraid is about. It's about people who just shout out their social security numbers. And then all the fun things that happen after they do that. <laughs> ah, so much fun. Yeah. Um Hey everybody. It's great to be back for like my fourth time, maybe? Fourth time total, I believe. Third time mm. as a solo guest. Truth. But this... I've danced with the devil in the pale moonlight before. This appearance ties you with Tom. Yes. <laughs> Eric, uh, I'm so used to saying this on our other podcast we host together. <laughs> what do you do on this podcast? Well, it's a it's a podcast about incompetence where I tell a story from history involving massive incompetence. And uh, your previous appearances, you have heard about Mexico. Sure have. You have heard about Italy. Mm-hmm. Heard about football. I was ready for it. Well, this time I got a little bit more Mexico in here, because... I, w- I would be excited, but you've been repeatedly telling me that this is a downer. <laughs> yeah, uh, part of why I had you on for this is because I'm, I'm not... Sh- I think a lot of my other guests would hear this story and just kind of go like, wow, that sucks. <laughs> but I'm going to make it funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if there's any way to make it light and airy and fluffy... This is my mutant power. This is, <laughs> this is what this I, is how my ability is to not take anything seriously. I basically went with like if there's one way I can do the Valladolid debate, it's gonna be as either like completely serious, which is not the name of the game on this podcast, Mm-mm. or by trying to make it light. So uh, before we get started, we're gonna do a disclaimer. <laughs> Great. Well, you do that, I'm gonna whip up some nice airy egg whites. <laughs> that's that's what all the kids are doing these days. So, uh, we're gonna say a content warning, we're gonna be talking, there's gonna be a couple mentions of gore and torture and death, and there's also going to be a lot of mentions of oppression and slavery. Not as metal. Also, we may make jokes, but we know that this is a serious issue. Just wanna make that 100% clear. I've just been researching this for the last several days. 
Uh, also, before we get started, I'd like to do a special shout out to past Big Time Whoopsies guest Anna May for helping me out with the research for this. It turns out um, Anna May wrote her college thesis about the guy I'm mostly going to be talking about. So she was very helpful. She pointed me to a lot of good links. Thank you, Anna May. She was also very worried that I would be portraying him in a very negative light, which uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> that will be up to me. That's up to the what listeners to decide. What if I did an accent for the rest of the podcast? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Like, what if I just did a German accent for the rest of the podcast? Would that add air to it? Would that make it lighter and fluffier? I don't think so. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But I love blueberries. Ready to get into it, Liam? Yeah, I'm ready. Cool beans. Bartolome de las Casas was born in Seville on November 11th, 1484. You know it's going to be a good story. Spain mm-hmm. in the 15th century. Only good yeah. stuff happened then. Yeah, that was that was a real time of reason and compassion mm-hmm. and empathy towards your fellow man. The son of a merchant, Bartolomé went to the Caribbean as part of a Spanish conquistador mission. He landed on the island the island of Hispaniola in 1502 when he was 18. He was given an encomienda, which is essentially the slavery system uh, in Spain at the time, encomiendas were like a land grant that came with slaves. Hmm. It would be great if you, like, purchased land and no one told you about this thing and you were like, boy, there's a lot more people, people? on this farm. Yeah. Uh, Darren? <laughs> Darren, what did the paperwork say? <laughs> encomienda came with a set amount of a, a group of natives that uh, were slaves. Uh, I believe the better term is indigenous people yes we're, we're gonna be using a lot of different words for it because they tend to be referred to as indians uh by the contemporary accounts so american indians uh native americans indigenous peoples those are all gonna show up at one point or another it's a whole word salad of yucks yeah it's a it's a we got we got a long way to go For the first ten years that he was there, he didn't make much of a stir. He was a very average slave owner. He owned slaves, managed his land, and tried to teach them Catholicism. He was very devout, was Bartolomé de las Casas. He he believed that the way to save these people would be to convert them to Catholicism. Well, Catholicism has been enforced on people for thousands of years, and it's never really done anything wrong, so I can't imagine that this went south. Yeah, um... We're, I, I'm going to say, um, I, I don't believe Catholicism is the way forward. I don't, uh, I'm not a Catholic. It's never good when you hear someone is a slave owner and a devout Catholic. It, well, it, it's just an extra layer of no. But I will take converting someone to Catholicism over torturing them to death. I mean, in the Spanish Inquisition, it was one and the same. Yeah, no, it wasn't. You could convert people without torturing them to death. It's just a lot of times they were one and the same. Chocolate and my peanut butter, Eric. Bartolome ended up getting ordained in America, and he was supposedly the first priest to get ordained in America. I'm not sure that's actually true, but supposedly he was the first one, because this was in the 1510s, so pretty early on. Hey, if we're wrong, come fight us. Yeah. Uh, Starting around 1511... Uh, other priests tried to convince the Spaniards that their treatment of the Indians was unacceptable and morally wrong. 
the other Spaniards complained to the crown, the ones, the, the, the Spaniards that were very for slavery and doing whatever they wanted to the indigenous people, and the priests that uh, spoke out against them were recalled to Spain. So, bye. And apparently Bartolomé de las Casas, at this point, argued against those priests in favor of the encomienda system. Wow. Moving right along. Yeah, Bartolomé is like, it's working out fine. Look, I've taught five of them hymns. <laughs> sure, they look dead in their eyes, but the hymns, the yeah. psalms. Yeah, we're not, we're not actually sure that he actually argued against them, but he might have. Then, after that, Bartolomé took part in the conquest of Cuba. And he, he had been in Hispaniola, which is where Haiti and the Dominican Republic is. Dominic mm-hmm. Republi- Dominican Republic. Good lord. He had been there. He went to took part in the conquest of Cuba. Some say he actively participated in it. And he was witness to the cruelty with which the Spanish treated the native Taino people. It took a little while after that, but in 1514, while studying the Bible... Bartolomé de las Casas had the realization that treating the natives this way was not right, even if they weren't Christians. All right. Yeah, he was studying the Bible and had a and had a realization that not only was it morally wrong to treat the indigenous people this way, it was also probably going to and land like the entire nation of Spain in hell. That was his big realization. Okay, I've been burnt before by historical podcasts, so I'm still going to remain cautionary on this Bart figure. (laughs) He would later write about uh, the stuff that he had seen committed by the conquistadors on the Taino people. He would write down all manner of horrific atrocities from from his experiences. Historians nowadays... Uh, believe that he uh, exaggerated a lot of these accounts because he probably did because and we'll and we'll get to why he did that later Mm -hmm. so while they were probably exaggerated they were definitely building on a skeleton of truth because there was definitely mass slaughter and torture going on in this in all the conquests that happened in south america at the hands of the spaniards but Bartolomé de las Casas recounted whole villages getting massacred, women and children getting beaten and impaled, houses burnt down with people inside them on purpose, decapitation, mutilation, and I'm all... sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but when you said on purpose... Oh no! <laughs> it wasn't just... Well, I, there's, there's, like, there's not caring that there's people inside them, and then putting people inside them before you burn them down. And then there's forgetting that there's people inside them, because you're the, like, the dopey conquistador. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I keep committing genocide, but oh gosh. Uh-oh. Oh boy. That's <laughs> Mr. Bean the Conquistador. Mr. Bean the Conquistador. No I one hope... will make that movie. I, I hope wrote he it. Dies. It's, it's 350 pages long and it's historically accurate, but no one, Rowan Atkinson refuses to do it for me. Yeah, it's weird. Rowan Atkinson will not kill people. It's very strange, and I don't think it's true to the acting process. Is this light and airy? <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great, Liam. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bartolome would rarely use specific numbers because, again, exaggerating. Mm-hmm. But he would frequently refer to the number of souls killed in these attacks as infinite. He began writing about better ways to treat the Indians and using his position to convince those in power to treat them better. He quickly realized that he could not do this by remaining in the Americas, so pretty much for the rest of his life, he would travel between the Americas and Spain on various oh, missions. Oh, God, I hope he had Dramamine. Well, considering that the, you know, 
the sea journey would have taken months every time. That's what I'm talking about. You better have, like, a buttload of Dramamine. Yeah. A lot of seasickness. A lot of... Honestly, it's, it's really just astounding that he didn't die of illness at any point. Yeah, because this was the time where they or were like, else. Uh, we're out of water. Do you want to drink this beer that I pissed in? <laughs> or We don't know how stuff or works yet. Or we've only got water and we can't boil it. There's probably stuff in there. Yeah, do you want the bottom part of the water? That's where, like, the chunky bugs live. <laughs> do you want the part with the flavor? Ah, uh, hi. I'm 15th century Guy Fieri, and I love hardtack dipped in rotting barrel water. <laughs> if my water That's is at least town. 80% solid, is it really water? That's all I'm trying to say. Listen, one day there's going to be something called gelatin, and we've kind of just gotten the early version by leaving this water in a barrel in the bottom of a dirty old boat. Mm-hmm. And actually, early on, Bartolome met with some early personal success. Uh, there were others who shared his opinion, obviously, and with them he organized a new civil office, the Protectorate of the Indians, and he actually got a, a new title for himself. He was, his official title was the Protector of the Indians. <sighs> Hindsight's twenty twenty on that one. This happened within <laughs> like six years of him deciding that killing Indians was wrong. It seems like he's getting a lot of fame out of this. Uh, kind of. He was like he wasn't doing badly before this. Like he was a wealthy landowner. He was do he was a important figure over in the Americas for the Spaniards, what whom owned slaves. Mm. So it's not like he wasn't building on anything. But yeah, he he the the reason that we know about him today is because of his not morally horrible viewpoints. Well, it's the bare minimum. Yeah. So for the next several years, well, for the rest of his life, really, but he, for the next several years, he works on getting his ideas accepted, uh, and he scores a chance to speak directly to the Spanish Parliament and King Charles I. Uh, for big-time whoopsies listeners, King Charles I was the great-grandfather of King Charles II of Spain, who appeared in my episode about incest with Stefan. That's episode eight, I believe. It's a classic. Yeah, it's a fun one. Much more fun than this. Las Casas was so heartfelt and convincing that the king allowed him a chance to build a settlement under his own ideas, with free Indians working alongside Spaniards to establish a kind of trade system as opposed to a death system. Makes sense. Yeah. Bartolome's commissioners over in the Americas were having trouble, meanwhile. The landowners obviously opposed any effort to make the Indians anything but free labor that they were allowed to kill and rape. All the all, all right. the, the people who profited from the encomienda system, the people who owned them, they were called encomenderos, uh, and they they were making a lot of money off of this, and they wanted the system to stay in place. Is this airy? Mm. They were also they also represented the political majority of Spain. Well. Bartolome's commissioners did make some progress, but mostly they were stuck, unable to enforce a lot of their ideals, and all the landowners hated Bartolome. So uh, Bartolome, instead of using you know his his office to change the way they were treating people, had to bank on this plan to have free settlements, establishing trade making settlements where they weren't just you know murdered and enslaved. Yeah, because it's kind of hard to trade with people if they're. Um... Not there. Yeah. I've noticed that. Mm-hmm. That's just something that I've picked up in my life. On he, my had, he had trouble generating funds for this idea. 
the the king had the king allowed him to do it but he needed to generate uh his essentially the same idea as like other you know pilgrims and colonizers they come over they invest some money in it they do unpaid labor for a while and hopefully the settlement works out that was the basic business model at the time and he had trouble generating interest because he couldn't get wealthy people because they knew that they weren't going to generate as much profit as the conquistadors because the conquistadors murdered and enslaved people so they had all these sources of income Whereas Bartol- and Bartolome wanted to treat them like people and work alongside them, and his profit margins were just way smaller. Oh, man. I mean, from a business perspective, I want to die. Mm. <laughs> exactly. The other problem was that in the place where Bartolome had proposed to build the settlement up in northern Venezuela, the area that would become northern Venezuela... There were Spanish slavers located fairly nearby, and they were supposed to kind of be there to help and protect as needed. Like, you know, any settlement would. You had to rely on other settlements and other areas for support. Mm -hmm. That's not how it worked out. Uh Uh-oh. Bartolome only ended up sailing to Venezuela with about 50 settlers, which was like about, I think, a sixth as many as he wanted. Um, The settlement wasn't as productive or as profitable as he had promised. And then there was a slaving raid. See, uh, this was in the early 1520s. A Dominican convent nearby had been attacked by the Carib people. And weirdly enough, the Dominicans were one of the few groups who advocated against the uh, overwhelming cruelty and violence used by the Spaniards. But they were attacked by, I believe, by the Caribs. And so, in response to this, the slavers nearby went out on a raid to punish them. And their raid took them right in the area of Bartolome's settlement. The slavers also didn't like the settlement, so there was some violence from them. And then, in response, the native Caribs attacked the settlement as as a response to the slaving raids. And by the end of all this, Bartolome's dream settlement did not exist. Every settler deserted. Or was dead. Uh, I can see why you were worried about people trying to find humor in this, my good sir. Yeah! Bartolome was uh, a little crestfallen. As as you'd imagine. Yeah. He, he left for... Like, was he in the settlement at the time? Like, was he there? He kind, of, he kind of left and then came back to find it deserted. That's what I thought. So he was like, what? Guys! Yeah. I was gone <laughs> for, like, four months. Yeah, and so, you know, as, as anyone would do after taking an L that big, he retreated into religious life for a little while. It's what you gotta do. It's what you do. But it's he, what you do to survive. But he did not stop advocating for the rights of indigenous peoples. As he shouldn't. And that's where we're going to take a break for an ad for another show on the Major Cast Network. I hope it's one I'm not on. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, listener. Do you like a scare, a jump, a fright? How about Maine? How do you feel about Maine? If any of those words made your heart skip a beat, then I've got a podcast for you. King Me is a monthly Stephen King podcast where I, Tom Lockney, and a guest watch through a theatrical adaption of a work by everyone's favorite Northeastern author and talk about it with a little help from the source material. 
So, if you're feeling particularly brave, join me on my descent into terror on the Major Casts Network or wherever you find podcasts. So, while where we left him, Bartolome has just uh, got he, he, he took a hit. Um, and basically his whole idea of making free settlements with settlers working alongside free indigenous peoples did not work out and the whole slavery system remained in place. See, it turns out that people are generally monsters. And Bartolome noticed that basically the indigenous population was getting decimated. And if it kept up, it would not be able to hold up under the strain, and the peoples would be extinct. Wow. Yeah. Um, hey, Bart. Hey, Bart. You gotta fix, you gotta fix this mess you made. <laughs> this isn't because of anything he did. It's just what's happening all over South America. And Central America. And the Caribbean. So, he, co- he becomes a little desperate. He still has some political power. And at this point, he maintains, uh, he, he keeps coming up with, like, various solutions, and he's been coming up with different solutions for the past, like, several years. Like, he was like, we, what we should do is just stop enslaving them. And when that didn't take, he started coming up with new ideas to, like, do anything to, to reduce the strain on the people in South America because it was so inhumane what was happening to them. And he didn't want them all to die. And he makes one suggestion that he later lives to regret. Uh, is it wearing two different types of plaid? <laughs> it's going in different directions. Oh. Does he, does he, like, drink liquor before beer? Is that the bad one? I can never remember what kind of mix is Oh, like no, yeah, it's beer before liquor. One. What am I saying? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. A whoopsie from Liam. People, pe- oh, wow, it was a big-time whoopsie inside of a big-time whoopsie. Yep. That is making it light and airy. Mm. Like the effervescent bubbles of your beer. Well, I'm glad we could enjoy this moment of it being light and airy because the suggestion that Bartolome de las Casas makes is that instead of having slaves uh, in South America from the indigenous peoples there, they should import their slaves from Africa. Oh no! Bye, Eric. I have to leave. Uh, My mom's here to pick me up from school because I gotta go. Like I said, he would live to regret this, but he was one of the first ones who said we could bring slaves from Africa over to South America. Thanks for having me, man. Thus, the one of the first people to advocate for the transatlantic slave trade. I'm very far away now. <laughs> God damn it, Liam. So yeah, this is where Bartolome gets a little bit milkshake ducked. Hey, Bart. Now you gotta clean up the mess you made. Yeah. So that's just one of the ideas, and it doesn't, you know, take hold immediately or anything. He keeps writing, he keeps visiting the Americas to both witness the conquistadors' treatment of the natives and to convert as many people as he could, probably because they were less likely to get killed if they were converted. But maybe, they, they plenty of them probably still died. He worked to get the encomienda system abolished, which it was briefly, but that was then reversed. He worked to get a general ordinance against slavery, which was also put out, but that was also later reversed. 
And finally, in 1542, so 40 years after he first went to the New World, he was allowed to argue in the royal court, and he used his writings as evidence to illustrate the cruelties of the conquistadors and the encomenderos, all those atrocities that I told you about. He, he brought them out in full before the royal court. And in this, in this, he set forward what he called the New Laws, which would have, instead of making Indians slaves, would have made them subjects of the crown. Probably not quite full <coughs> citizens. <coughs> I, uh, when you said new rules, I started, new laws, I started playing the new rules theme from Bill Maher in my mm-hmm. head, and I choked on my own dumb laugh. <laughs> so, uh, that's how I'm doing right now. Great. I don't think his plan would have made indigenous peoples full citizens of Spain, but they would have made them, you know, royal subjects and not slaves. Would have outlawed slavery. The, it would have made it would have gradually made the encomienda system obsolete by saying it wasn't hereditary. Like the encomendo, the encomenderos could stay, you know, keep their position now, but their children couldn't inherit the same thing. Mm-hmm. That was the idea. That would make it gradual uh, and hopefully limit the the backlash from them this would also limit uh, it would also regulate and limit the amount and kinds of work the indians would be forced to do and those laws were actually passed in 1542 well it's 1542 people were not thinking yeah in november of 1542 um los leyes y ordenanzas nuevamente hechas por su majestad para la gobernación de las indias y buen tratamiento y conservación de los indios were passed on google hangouts that was the full title of the new laws, or less, or las leyes nuevas. My sap button joke is really good. So that's 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 that was the full title. It, they were actually passed. Uh, they to to massive outcries from the encomenderos in the Americas. The plans were gradual. They didn't outlaw all that stuff immediately, and in several regions they weren't enforced at all. Yep, that sounds about right. And on top of that, everyone kept you know saying that this was a terrible idea because, like, hey, all these slaves are making me money and I can kill them whenever I want. It's a great system, say they. It's crazy that people were just so open with their hatred and terribleness back then. Whereas now it's like, yep. there's like a, sh- a, a, a thick sheen of, of like, fakeness to it. At least they, they are aware that they're not supposed to be. I can't tell which one is worse. We'll get we'll get more to like this kind of motivation behind this stuff because it gets it gets really just real good, really drives it home. Oh, real juicy, a real tender yeah. nugget. In 1545, Bartolome was made bishop of Chiapas, which was the first diocese in the New World. So he was the first bishop in the Americas. But this one's a fact, Conf- yeah. confirmed. Yeah. Uh, once again, he was a controversial figure among the Spaniards there. Because not only did he advocate uh, changing their entire way of life, he also refused to grant confession or absolution to slave owners and encomenderos. Even on their deathbed, he would not grant them access to the kingdom of heaven. That is Christian baller. Yeah. Thank you for being this phenomenally petty, Bartolome. You big, big Barty boy. Yeah. Petty Bart. Because of this... Several of them labeled him a heretic and an extremist. He's a bishop, riots, so... Yeah, riots broke out. He was even shot at. 
he was forced to leave, and soon after, the new laws were weakened, and later they would be repealed. Oh, but he was a bishop. Mm-hmm. That's one of the most powerful chess moves. Pieces. <laughs> Fuck. They move diagonally. It go, can, it can go diagonally. And this time, he's moving diagonally from Mexico to Spain. Yeah. They were weakened just three years after they were first signed into law. They wouldn't. They were replaced with, like, a much weaker version after that, like, uh, uh, seven years later, and then eventually just no one cared about them. A few years after returning to Spain, Bartolomé was embroiled in scandal and controversy because of those religious and political views. Basically, in his writings, he would advocate against, ev- like, everything the Spaniards were doing in Spain, in, in the New World, which basically, in which basically he denied that Spain had a divine right to rule over South America. This was seen as treason. Yeah, it was treason to say that his country might not have a divine right to rule over oppressed peoples. Oh my god. You know when you watch, like, or read, like, fantasy, and there's, like, the high council of whatever talking and arguing amongst the gods, and, like... In in a fantasy novel, it, it it's it makes sense, but when you when it happens in real world, my brain explodes. Like these mm-hmm. people were like, we have the divine right as a country to be God whenever, always. Yes, that's that's pretty much it. That's insanity. Bartolome still had some allies in high places, like the king, who who liked to listen to what he had to say. The king probably also the king probably also supported some of Bartolome's ideas because he wanted to put the encomenderos in the new world in check. He wanted to make sure that they were still loyal to him. And, and Bartolome's systems tend to, tended to make that happen. But he also probably had some moral doubts about what was going on over there after, you know, everything Bartolome said was happening. He was asked to take part in a debate, was Bart, which would decide whether it was right to wage war on the indigenous peoples of the Americas. And to treat them the way they'd been treating them. Mm-hmm. It took place in 1550. It was called the Valladolid Debate, because it took place in Valladolid. Makes sense. Yeah. Bartolomé's opponent would be Juan Ginés de Sepúlveda. And I'm just going to read you the first sentence on Sepúlveda's Wikipedia page. Do it. Juan Ginés de Sepúlveda was a Spanish Renaissance humanist, philosopher, theologian, and proponent of colonial slavery. Ah, it's that last one that really sticks the landing. Really? You think so? Yeah, that's the real Mary Lou Henner. You think that's the big one, maybe? Yeah, that's the thud. Juan Ginez de Sepulveda basically believed that Spain was right to um, enslave, kill, and convert any and all indigenous peoples, despite never having been to the New World. That's right. Bartolome's opponent in this debate had never been to the Americas. He's so confident that he doesn't even do the research. 100% confident. That's because the argument would mainly be theoretical as opposed to based on any, like, you know, empirical wrongdoing. So this dude has a Pepe Twitter account is what I'm hearing. <laughs> kind of. He was, he's the kind of guy who'd be like, debate me in tw- on Twitter. Good lord. Yeah. Once they got to the to the debate, Bartolome argued, as he always had, that the natives of America were innocent and the cruelty of the Spaniards was unjust. The basic thing. The uh, the people there were capable of reasoning, they were innocent, and could be converted to Christianity, and thus saved 
so a peaceful approach was called for. That's basically his in. That's how he kept, you know, being an important figure. He'd be like, we have to stop being mean to them uh, so we can convert them, obviously. And a lot of times people would be like, he doesn't actually want to convert them. And like, wow, maybe he just wanted to save their lives. <laughs> Crazy. Nuts. Nuts, I tell you. Mm-hmm. Sepulveda, meanwhile, had a different approach. He started from Aristotle. I'm sorry, he started from Aristotle? Yeah, he based his arguments on the works of Aristotle's po- uh, politics. Oh, I thought you were about to say poetics, and then I was yeah, actually Yeah, not poetics, politics. I haven't, re- I haven't read that one, because I read poetics, and I went, well, this is bad. <laughs> well, here's the thing about Aristotle's politics. At one point, he, he talks about a condition that he calls natural slavery. Oh, Ari, hey, baby, let's not go down yeah. that route. It's me, your agent. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ari, baby, booby. I love the new book, but I gotta say, you don't come off as a great dude in it. I was thinking maybe we just scrap the whole thing and you write another play? Yeah, instead, Aristotle wrote politics where he said that some people are just predisposed to be slaves. That's just how they are. They're dependent on people and they can't reason at a higher level. (laughs) Using this, Sepulveda, who was a humanist and a philosopher and very well read, took accounts from people who had been to the Americas of the native peoples and compared them to the barbarians and savages and natural slaves that Aristotle mentions. So we're seeing sort of the beginnings of phrenology. Uh, that kind of thing. Like, the there, you know, this this kind of argument would continue for hundreds of years where so-called scientists would try to figure out exactly why indigenous people and people who weren't white were inferior to white people because obviously they were they just had to be yeah uh going again from the wikipedia page which 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 talks about the debate uh sepulveda issued four main justifications for just war against certain indians first their natural condition deemed them unable to rule themselves and it was the responsibility of the spaniards to act as their masters second Spaniards were entitled to prevent cannibalism as it was a crime against nature. Third, the same went for oh, human wait, wait, sacrifice. Wait. Context, context. <laughs> <laughs> That's Sunday morning. Hey, over here. Uh, whoops. Yeah, so basically there were accounts of cannibalism and human sacrifice, which, you know, were occasionally things that some indigenous groups did do. And using that, he was like, anyone who does that should be subjugated by us. I. Uh, okay. His last point was that you had to convert them to Christianity. No. Yep, that was those were the those were the main points from Sepulveda. Oy vey. Basically, which sums up my problem with that. <laughs> yeah, his his thing was that they're killing each other and they're eating each other, therefore all that shit we did to them is completely justified. That's his basic argument. They're clearly not fit to rule over themselves, so therefore we have to rule over them. Meanwhile, Bartolome's over here going like, we are not ruling over them, we are murdering them. Like, he literally brings up some of the, like, the stuff that he saw as like, we are killing them, that's what we're doing. And is like, but we're right to rule over them. He's just not, ans- he's like not addressing the facts that Bart's bringing. is just like, well, I hear what you're saying, but... I'm God. And that's so... and that's the problem because this isn't a trial, it's a debate. It's meant to be theoretical, not practical. We're not dealing with empirical crimes, we're dealing with ideas. 
which is always scary. And that's why the debate just goes back to this. So Bartolomé de las Casas, instead of being able to be like, hey, killing innocent people is wrong, has to be like, well, actually, this definition of, of barbarians doesn't really fit the natives there. Uh, that's why Aristotle's politics shouldn't be used like this. Like, he has to do, like, an academic debate over this. So the so the arguments remained abstract. And just super disheartening. In the end, the judges who saw the debate said it was inconclusive. Both debaters who had, who had taken part said that they had won it. So both Sepulveda and Bart said that they had won the debate. That's how you know it was a real good debate. Nothing changed at all in the Spanish treatment of the indigenous peoples of South America. Shocking. Yep. Bartolome continued to work for the for the better treatment of indigenous peoples until he died in 1566. Oh no. Well, he was like 90? Ah, uh, so then? young. We're going to live to be 300, so <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely like he was like 85 or something when he died. Uh, bye Bart. Anyway, he worked for his entire life from after, uh, like, I mean, after he uh, was a slave owner. So after partaking in the system for the rest of his entire life, he campaigned against the subjugation of the indigenous peoples of South America and Central America. And he never really saw the oppression stop or lessen. Then on top of that, at one point, he made the suggestion to bring in slaves from Africa instead and that helped generate the transatlantic slave trade. Well, that that's a whoopsies. Yeah, in that last little bit of his life, uh, he he did say he mentioned multiple times that he regretted doing this because, partially because I think he grew up with a system of slavery, you know, that didn't resemble the slavery that was going on in South America. You know, it wasn't, let's kill a ball and not care. It was like, you know, I own this person, but it's fine. He wasn't, he didn't, he had no idea what he was, you know, what he was taking part in when he first went over, and he had no idea the stuff that he would help, help create by making that suggestion. And that's how his story ends. But, but, when yeah. you think about it, he got to be a bishop. And as we said before, he did get to be a bishop. powerful chess piece. And before we, we start, you know, talking about like his whole life in retrospect, that kind of thing, I think I should tell you the pickle for the knowing ones for this one. I mean, I guess. Because Bartolome de las Casas is also the subject of the pickle for the knowing you ones. You rat bastard. So Bartolome de las Casas died basically seeing everything that he'd tried to prevent from happening, happening. That's a that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, the Taino people that were the 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 atrocities against them were what convinced him in the first place to oppose the Spaniards treatment of them. They are today extinct. They they do not exist anymore. The Damn. Caribs, there are only like 3000 of them left in the entire world. Christ. Yeah, Spain wouldn't prohibit like the slave trade until I think like 1820. But Bartolome did have an impact beyond his life. In the first few years after he died, basically everyone was like, hey, that guy sucked and we hated him. He kept trying to, you know, stop this great financial system that we have going. Uh, he was he was viewed as kind of an extremist heretic. Like, he, he opposed generally held ideas about God and the state. So clearly he was wrong. 
because, you know, generally held ideas about God and the state have to be right. But after that, once people started, you know, believing in the inalienable rights of man and that people shouldn't kill people just because they think they're better than them, his image started to rehabilitate. <laughs> and actually, he inspires a lot of humanist thinking to this day, including a lot of, like, Latin American literature classes. My, my research assistant, Anime, was insistent that I include this part of his legacy because he tried really hard, and he is now getting recognized. And this is all... He was doing all this 150 years before the Enlightenment. This was 150 years before any kind of secular revolution, any kind of recognition that philosophy and morality might be different from religion, might even be better than religion. This was 150 years before the Age of Reason ever be, even became close to being a thing. So Bartolomé de las Casas, for, for learning the, and, and opposing the, the systems that were in place, literally hundreds of years before anyone else was doing it in the mainstream, he gets to be pickled for the knowing ones. It's such a... Because, yeah, like, yeah, there's that, but then also, like, the transatlantic slave route. So, it's a rough pickle. It's a rough pickle, but, like, apparently even, like, the United Nations takes some inspiration from his writings, that kind of stuff. Sure, no, like, yeah. He, his legacy is really widespread, and he really, like, he did... He did regret making that suggestion pretty soon after making it. I mean, that was that was his big time whoopsie. Yeah, but it's also not like he, you know, once making that went over and got the slaves. Like, it's not, that did not happen. He, like, he, he made one idea, which probably would have happened anyways, and regretted it later on. But yeah, that's a whoopsie. But I, I think the bigger whoopsie is Spain. Yeah, Spain's the real biggest whoopsie of them all. Yeah. And also this fucking debate, which instead of being like, which hey, is, it was just maybe Twitter. killing innocent people is wrong, instead of doing that, they had this whole debate where they couldn't even decide who won. It was, it, dude, where, it's like the first fucking Twitter argument. Where Aristotle, where one guy was like, but Aristotle does say slaves exist. It's in our blood to be in our fucking human DNA to be these terrible monsters. Yeah, also, it's crazy to think that, like, this humanist philosopher is the one arguing that, like, divine right actually does let us kill these people. And the and the Catholic guy was the one saying, no, it doesn't. <sighs> and then the Catholic judges were all like, I don't know. Everything is horrible. Could have gone either way. Anyway, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. History books do not mention enough of the the fucking horrible tragedies that is the entire world history of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like Christopher Columbus discovered America and proved the world was round. And then he wrote a bunch of stuff about how the people there were perfect yeah. slaves. Weird that we don't talk about that part. It's really weird. Hey Spain, you're on Thin ice. That's all, yeah, that's all That's all I got now. That's that's the end. My big time whoopsie is that uh, white woman who did a This Is America parody video. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, did, that did happen, didn't it? It sure did, buddy. Yikes. We should wrap this up. What do you got to plug for me, Liam? They know what I have to plug. I mean, they might. They might not. This is true. 
Um, I do a bunch of podcasts because I run a podcast network called the Major Cast Network. You, if you're listening to this, you listen to one of those podcasts. Mm. Um, you should listen to my other ones. There's Media Majors, where uh, uh, past guest Tom Lockney and I do a bunch of stuff. And then there's Musty I've been TV. been on that one. Where, yeah, you've been on that one. And, there's Musty... and I've been on Musty TV. Yeah. Yeah. We're a very uh, porous network. There's Musty TV where my, my dear friend Josh and Phillips and I watch a bunch of TV and uh, make a bunch of goofs about it. Yeah. Um, and then there's... They only talk about slavery sometimes. Yeah, only only the episodes that Eric's on. Uh, that literally happened. Yeah, that, that for sure happened. Don't watch Designing Women. Um, and then there is Sunday Morning Hangover Cure, which is a news roundup show that Eric and I do. <laughs> and it's me again, so you can never escape... There are other shows on the network that don't feature me. Maybe you want to hear about Stephen King. Well, we've got King Me. Yeah. Maybe you want to hear about the X-Files. Well, we've, we've got, got the double, the double X-Files. X-Files. The entire back catalog on the Major Cast Network. Hell yeah. Maybe you want to hear about an entire filmography of a specific actor. Well, we've got the filmographer. Yeah, we do. So check them all out. <laughs> and then get back to me with a detailed report. Yeah. Tell me what you like, what you don't like. I just want to please you. <laughs> We're just here to make you happy, I just, as you were probably very happy after listening to this episode. Validate me, I guess, is what I'm asking for. That's what I'm plugging. I'm plugging my validation. Please validate me. And also follow him on Twitter at CallYourDad. My call name your is dad. Eric. <laughs> my name is Eric McAdams. You can find me on Twitter at AudaciouslyYours. Personal website, NoCharacterIsSafe.com. You can find my other podcasts on the Major Cast Network, like Sunday Morning Hangover Cure. And the guest episodes that I do scattered across the other shows. Scattered like corn in the wind. Now this is light and airy. Say goodbye, Liam. Goodbye, Liam. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.